Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you and thank you and praise you. I ask, Lord, that you would bless this program. Jesus, um, we do love you, and we ask that you would uh, bless all of those families who are listening, that they'd be encouraged and inspired and and supported in their own um, walk of faith. Lord, thank you for our families. Thank you for our children. And Lord, just help us um, receive guidance um, regarding um, how to navigate the challenges that that happen uh, day to day. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, lots happening in the last few days. Um, this weekend at the Oaks was the uh, tournament. The Oaks hosted the tournament for basketball, the, the varsity girls and boys basketball tournaments for the Mountain Christian League. Isn't that cool, the Mountain Christian League? I just love that. I love that um, the Oaks Classical Christian Academy, where our our kids, six of our kids go to school out here in the Spokane area, they're part of a basketball league that isn't a typical league. You know, it's um, it's a league that isn't part of the like formal, you know, one A, two A, three A, four A, state sponsored leagues. But instead, it's a league that was designed and draws together. Um, Christian schools, classical schools, most of them, and, and a couple of co-ops that gather together as schools. And um, I, I've found it so refreshing. And um, there, there's just some beautiful features to to being part of a league like that, where you actually get the experience that um, that schools have that have an official league, right? They've got refs and they've got um, you know, uh, uniforms and real teams, and, and and they're following like you know certain rules, and yet it's also different. It just has such a different spirit to it, and and the difference is one that I find very beautiful and encouraging, and closer to, I think, the ideal that um, we we want for our kids. But I think we had a hard time even understanding what that ideal would look like, having come from the background that we've had with regards to sports. Yeah, I don't think we realize that this is actually something that exists because, and I was, I was talking to my sister earlier today and she's in California and they have um, a couple of kids that are like premier, premier level, full ride scholarship level of sports. And this is something that's really taken on a huge part of their life where that it, you know, everyone knows the dedication it takes to have a child join sports at an early age and then try to get a full ride scholarship to like a division one school. And I said, no, you don't understand at our, in our league, our son has never played soccer before and all the other kids play. And he was able to play on the soccer team and played pretty regularly, but he wasn't amazing, of course, because he's not played before, but it's this space. On the varsity team. Well, there's only one team. (laughs) School's that small. But there's just this place where all kids are welcomed, all kids are invited. And tonight you had the um, junior high uh, meeting with parents. And I know a couple of parents came up to me and said, I, you know, my seventh grader or my eighth grade daughters never played basketball before. I said, no, 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 they have to come out. This is a space. This is a, a, a place where we celebrate and we have fun and we really enjoy um not just the sport, but just honoring each other and honoring God. It just has such a different feel to it. And it's not like if your son or daughter is like amazing, they can't be an all-star in the, these games, but it just welcomes everyone. It's not like you're, the door's closed if you're in fourth grade or fifth grade and you've not tried out for a sport yet. Yeah, it, it was funny. On the way home from the tournament, or maybe it was yesterday when we were talking, Ariana, our senior at the Oaks, was saying that, yeah, Mary Grace says half jokingly how we ruined her life because we didn't get her into club volleyball in fourth grade that she didn't get into club volleyball until seventh grade and so she was always she was forever trying to claw her way up into the top tier of volleyball and and isn't that a sadness that there's that sense of things and and i just contrast that with what happened very beautifully uh, at the tournament when they were having the finals the finals for the boys and the girls varsity basketball team finals and it just the blessing was that both of our oaks teams were in the finals against um the same team in uh the knicks the northern idaho christian school which has players that go to saint joan of arc 
And so there were that was kind of neat for us that you know here are some families that we know that are Catholic families that are typically part of a homeschool co-op, but that they are able to join into that Christian school, and then they're able to play together. Um, and so uh, the the athletic director at the Oaks, uh, Colin Williams, who was running the tournament, got up and just shared very beautifully. I recorded it. Oh, you did? I did. I recorded it because I knew that it was going to like lay out a vision of sports that was like life-giving and healthy. And and he just talked about how, look, folks, we're here at the finals and and, and it's hard fought and and we're going to have competitive games and, and all of this, but we're here to glorify God. We're here to build each other up. We're here to celebrate the reality of, of human excellence and competition, but in a way that also glorifies God. Because he said, what endures is not a trophy. What endures is not a championship. What endures is our, our, our souls. He said, our souls endure, and we must never lose sight of that, even as we compete um, with a sense of, of you know, seriousness. We never lose sight that we're brothers and sisters in faith, and we're here to glorify God. Now, can you imagine a tournament director <laughs> at even you know at the at a Catholic school or like talking like that? It just it is. Let me say this: we've been part of a lot of teams. Never heard anything like that. Yeah, it's just a ever, whole different ever. So it's just so just refreshing and beautiful that something like that. Um, was being said so it's a different realm and i feel like i mean if i were to say what's one little thing that really makes it stand apart during the game when these guys are fighting hard and tense leaving it all out there on the court um one team will go up to shoot some foul shots and the other team comes and like congratulates them if they make it like good job and they so you have opposing teams cheering each other on even though they're like really bothered and really sad and there's a lot of tears when they don't win the tournament and so it's incredible like competition but it's also such brotherhood and sisterhood and really trying to be exemplary in what this is all about and I don't know you can't you can't replicate that you can't find that in the secular culture and so to see this is so refreshing and just like unimaginable Right. And, and, you know, I, um, uh, even with all that being said, it was like, um, it was at the end when our, it just happened that both of our teams lost. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so sad. (laughs) Well, I know. And, and in each for their own reasons, why I felt so free at the end of those games where I still had a joy in me that I can't imagine having, um, if this was happening in a different context, it's like, I, I don't know if you noticed it in me, but I had a freedom around the fact that I could say, you know what? These teams had such great years. They played so well. I'm so proud of my kids. Even though they both lost, I had like so little energy in me around, oh, we should have done this. Oh, we should have done that. Oh, we should have. I, I felt a level of freedom that for me was, um, I was so happy with it. I did not know that. I thought, well, to be fair, you have been very, um, like, more reserved or less bothered when we've lost, although we've only lost a couple times. <laughs> but it's been more the spirit of, we're just so glad we're here. We're so blessed that our kids are playing. It's amazing to just see the spirit of these boys and girls. And then after the games... The kids will go all hang out at, you know, a parking lot at Wendy's or McDonald's or somewhere, or maybe even a house, and just have pure, good, clean fun in being together. So I think we're just more, just we forget. We, I think I just forget how hard it was in the Seattle area, not to put down Seattle, <laughs> but I will. Um, and then I was t- talking to my sister, and I said to her, what's so interesting is, you don't have these kids trying out for super elite teams and then there's there's all this anxiety and sadness and pressure and pressure and a feeling of I'm not important, I don't belong, I'm not as good as I never made the team or I'm on the bench. You know, there's some of that if you know you're not a starter, but it's not nearly the same and it doesn't have the same level of anxiety and 
I don't know, I feel like we're really disserving our kids in the schools nowadays or in sports because of the amount of pressure that we put on them. And I just only say that because I can look at our older kids and then compare them to our younger kids and just the level of freedom and joy and fun that our kids have. And it's not like you don't lose and you don't feel bad and there's tears, but it's all in the sense of eternity. It's all in the sense of giving God glory. It's all in the sense of this is just a well-fought battle. We left it all out there. But what matters is our our call to live for God and to give Him glory. And it just has an entirely different context. Yeah, I and, and context and experience, right? Yes. Because after the True. game... We were invited by one of the uh, one of the parents of that had a couple of kids on the team, uh, the boys team, uh, to go over their house for both teams. Both the girls and the boys varsity teams were invited to go come over along with their parents to just have an end of the season, end of the tournament party, not knowing if it was going to be a win or a loss. And, and and both teams lost, but all the kids showed up, the parents showed up, and at one point in the evening, I just was sitting on the couch by myself. Not that everybody left me. and I just was watching like the scene and I was particularly moved by one of the families they have a senior and a junior I know a senior and yeah a senior and a junior uh at the at the on the on the boys team and the senior was there smiling a big smile bright smile very like engaged in conversation with his mom and dad now it's Saturday night senior year, just finished his basketball season. And where is he on a Saturday night? He's at a gathering with his parents and his older sister and his junior brother and a bunch of other kids, including sophomores, freshmen, eighth graders and seventh graders that are on these teams. And he's talking with his parents with this engaged smile on his face, truly happy. And I just sat back and thought, where does this happen? Like, this is, a, this is a thing. It's this kind of, like, this kind of freshness, this kind of um, authentic uh, family relationship that is still possible today. We can battle for this. This is attainable. And um, it's funny, though, because something needs to be not there that is a poison and a pull away from that kind of reality and you talked about it carrie because downstairs they had kind of like a hangout space and there's kind of games and things like that and you went down there. i never made it down the stairs i was just hanging out talking with the parents upstairs you went downstairs and um do you remember what i'm talking you know what yeah, i'm talking there's about? like 30 kids down there and they're just all playing and hanging out but there were no iphones no say one that was again. on a phone. Just pause. Say that well, again no, because out loud. <laughs> this just seems so normal now. <laughs> now that we're here, and it's not like a commercial to move here, but there are spaces in our country where you can go to where the culture is lacking in just that technology that distracts, that diverts, It's not that lacking pulls. in that it's not like available. It's just that it's choosing. It's, it's the culture, crowded it's out. the spirit, right? Yeah. It's been crowded out by like actual living and by healthy living and enjoyable living. And and here's the thing. There was no like boy girl dynamic going on in terms of these these two are dating and so they're trying to like find a way to kind of be off by themselves or or this couple is with this couple and they're kind of it crowding just seems, out other kids. When you say that it just seems like that's so far gone. Like where is that in it, I don't even know how to describe it, except it's just, it brings such peace. I feel like we come home or on our weekends, well, we just feel such peace and, and so, joy. And like our kids are flourishing and they love each other and they love their friends. And So, so at the, at the time, dining room table, I looked over just before we left and you had like the star of the boys varsity team, first team, all league, another star on the team, second team, all league playing cards with our seventh grade daughter and our senior daughter, Ariana, and, and some other kids. And they're laughing and smiling and enjoying it. And it's like... It's so you know, awesome. It's it, so free. It's a beautiful it's thing. So we just sort of, sort of just beautiful. give testimony that, um, that this is possible. This is something we can battle for. This is something that we can fight for. And um, it's just something that um, we 
it has to become intentional. If it's something that you truly want to say, I want to make this happen. I want to have this be a reality. Well, when we come back, I'm going to bring you guys on the inside of what I shared with parents earlier tonight. This is Monday night when we're recording this. I had my parent meeting because I have a role at the school now. Welcome back to the program. I said, what is it? And then I ran out of time, Carrie. <laughs> it went to the commercial. So I, I got to time my uh, my outros a little bit better because I, I, I forgot the hook. This is Tom Kern. I'm with my wife, Carrie, today. And we're talking about faith and family and talking about the idea that um, you can weave a healthier culture into um, the lives of your kids, but it takes a sincere, serious effort, a willingness to be engaged, a willingness to be intentional. And a willingness to battle, a battle for those things. And one of the front lines is at school. It's the school that you have your kids at or the educational path you have for your kids. And um, Carrie, as we've been helping more and more families come over here, folks are finding out more and more that I'm doing real estate now as part of this whole mission and ministry to help families who are paralyzed or overwhelmed by their life circumstances, often in the Seattle Puget Sound area, but not only, and are saying, I need something healthier for my kids. I need to make a good decision that is going to free my kids or free my family from a kind of oppressiveness or, or toxic severing and diminishing of faith that they're finding over here in the Spokane and Coeur d'Alene area, uh, a, a healthy alternative. Anyways, um, that a lot of folks are um, co- uh, choosing increasingly homeschool options. Uh, co-op options, then they're realizing that there are so many resources for them yes. online. Yes. Classical conversations and other, like uh, Chesterton Academy has an online version of their school if you can't access the Chesterton Academy here in, in Spokane. Speaking of which, we're going to their Fleur de Lis Gala. Is it next week? Saturday. Saturday. This uh, Yeah, this yeah, coming this Saturday. Saturday. So uh, I'm excited about that. I love what's happening at the Oaks. The, the, we talk about having... Um, a challenge. The Oaks challenge, too many kids, <laughs> too many kids showing up, uh, filling up those grades, which yes. is uh, uh, an incredible indicator of the need that there is for more healthy options for parents who are realizing that increasingly, not only public schools, but even your standard Catholic schools are not going to be life-giving options for families who are trying to raise their kids in faith. Yes. Um, and so the co-op, like I, we used to talk about the co-op here in Spokane Valley, and now they're like, Tom, please stop talking about the co-op <laughs> like here. A year. <laughs> please stop because well, even the, so many families are coming, they don't have any room. And I think St. Charles and Chesterton, they're also full. St. Charles is just fuller and fuller and fuller. It's like, need a bigger boat. And, and it's like, thanks be to God that um, that people are discovering that the classical mode of educating is something that requires a degree of intentionality that people just don't stumble into it. They choose it or they walk away from it. And that's not a bad thing because it means a greater sense of intentionality. So I love that. Um, well, I mentioned just at the beginning of this segment that I, I took on a new role where uh, I'm actually coaching I'm going to coach the junior high girls uh, basketball team. Are you excited about that? I am excited, Carrie. Because? uh, Let me see. Probably for a a number of reasons. I think that um, I love coaching, right? So I coach CEOs and their senior executives, and I've done that for 24 years. You do actually have a natural gift of affirming and encouraging, and you also are able to see gifts. When I see gap, you see gift. It's and, great. And there's a gift there, right? That complementarity, <laughs> dear. Well, I'm going to actually walk you through, and the dear listeners, hopefully in a way that provides insight to all of your lives around my approach to coaching. Because what you're going to see as you hear these points are, are a lot of life lessons, life lessons that I've picked up from my years of coaching and watching my kids be coached as well as coaching executives and, and uh, helping them grow their businesses through life-giving approaches to building teams. And so um, what happens in these um, parent nights is that the, uh, the athletic director gives a vision for the school and they say, do you know what the purpose of sports is? To win. (laughs) To win. To just smash the opponent. They say it so clear to build Christian character to build Christian character. And they're saying that um, that scripture, um, scripture teaches us what character looks like and athletics is used to shape and bring that character out to and, the forefront. And that's true, Tom. Why is that? Why is it in the, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of a, a battle, 
And when you're like stretched and pushed and, and pressed in upon, that character starts to show forth maybe the weaknesses, maybe the gaps, maybe the the limits. Yeah, I'll give it to you in two words. Bonum arduum. Oh, yeah, that's what I think. There it is. Uh, it's what Aquinas calls the difficult good. The difficult good is the good that's achieved only through consistent effort that involves sacrifice and difficulty and a willingness to face what is not comfortable or easy. The difficult good. Anybody who has kids that have played sports or been involved in music, developing in a musical instrument or any other kind of talent that involves discipline, dance, singing, whatever, uh, it's the difficult good. You will not grow and advance without putting in the time, the effort, right? The, the, the real serious willingness to sacrifice the easy path that says, you know what, my natural gifting isn't going to be sufficient for me to get to the highest level that I can. I've got to put that gift at the service of character, at the service of the qualities of self-sacrifice for the sake of a higher good. And so that's, that's their vision. That's their vision of sports. And so when I hear that, it just makes me smile, right? And so I, um, they use PowerPoint, so I put my little PowerPoint together. And so my, here's my theme for the year, Kerry. We, though many, are one body in Christ. It's Romans 12, 4 to 5. And I, I like that. You know, uh, we, though are many, who are one body in Christ. Um, and so the first thing was, uh, when I did an introduction to me, I gave them numbers. Now, you know the answers to all this. I said, the first number was 27. What's that? Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness, Carrie. Wait, How many years on. we're married? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think in that terms. I just think. Yeah. <laughs> so the number was 27. How do you married. tie 27 into basketball? Uh, what I said was, well, I, I used that to say, how did we end up here? I said, we've been married 27 years. Two and a half years ago, we came here. And why did we come here? I oh, told okay. that story. Then second number is nine. And that's our kids. kids. And I said, Annalise is number seven of nine. The next number is, I said, 90 plus. 90 plus. What's 90 plus? Uh, I stopped at 90. I, I, I just said, I'm done. I'm trying to f done trying to get an exact number. It's the number of teams our kids have played on. Oh, I would never have guessed that. Yeah, I tried to start. I started with Mary Grace. I started counting. Oh, soccer, volleyball, basketball, uh, swimming. Tennis, I started going through. All, ten, I didn't even count tennis. Track, I didn't count cross country wow. either. You see, look at all this. Oh, my goodness. Many. Oh, my goodness. So I, I started going through our kids and I just. I hit 90 at Annalise. I didn't even get to Lucy and Lily. And I'm just like, I'm done. We've so really been on that many? 90 teams, Carrie. That's so ridiculous. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah, it's just like, wow. And then the number four. What was the number four? It was uh... the number of junior high basketball teams I've coached. Oh. <laughs> so this was number five. Well, I wanted them to know that I've had experience actually coaching junior high basketball before. And so this was the fifth time I was coaching junior high basketball, but in a... Um, in a Christian context. So the, the first four were at Catholic schools. Um, anyways, so then I had key insights that informed my coaching based on um, all of those years, uh, all of those teams, all of those kids. My number one insight, no one's going pro. And what do I mean by that? Because I joke about that quite a bit. Uh, don't take yourself seriously. That was exactly right. I said, folks, you got to learn hilaritas. It's the virtue of not taking yourself too seriously. I said, so many, and I, as soon as I said, no one's going pro, they all laughed. And I'm like, anybody here got a gifted kid, right? And I'm like, no one's going pro. Look, I am not going to coach this team like it's, it's, uh, like it's that serious, Right, I'll take it. I'm going to take seriously that I have a stewardship over this, over these kids and over this team. Now, no Tom, one's going pro. if you were marketing this and you want to like charge them two grand, you would say, "I can help your kids go pro." <laughs> I will help your kid this, get to the next this level. This is the program to get yep. your kids. See, that's the big joke is oh, when people goodness. come to us and they say, "No, no, you don't understand." These coaches have reached out to us and they've said, "You know, right. your son oh, or daughter has a special a gift." I see this. I see a talent. Oh my goodness, we've yeah. heard all the speeches. It's like uh, well, and and I can remember this coach. I told you, Annalise tried out for his team, and his team is like the number one team in the whole Spokane area. And he's like, "I've got a spot on this team. You know what? I, I can. I'll let her come with us to Boise. It's in national invitation only. We've been invited to bring a team, and then we've got a tournament down, national tournament down in Phoenix." And I'm like, "Not interested." <laughs> 
<laughs> He's like, what? I said, I've got no interest in having my daughter travel for basketball. We'll just, we'll find a local team. Thank you. It's just so funny. The guy's like, who are you? This is so weird. Okay, so that was the first one. Well, the second one, I said, parents come to games to watch their children play. Their children. Their children their child. play. And dot, 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 ellipsis, and cheer on the team. And I think that's so often where coaches just have it so backward. They have like no awareness, like they don't have that awareness in their minds that the parents, no matter how good or talented their kid is, that it's, 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 they show up at all the practices, they're putting in their effort. And it's like to say that they're going to just have to sit and watch their kid languish at the end of the bench and barely play or not play at all. And have to be there with a smile on their face. I told the story of what, um, uh, like John Mark and John Luke, when they greeted the guys from St. Joan of Arc after the game, uh, they said, hey, man, that was a really hard game. And John, John Luke was saying, yeah, he said, hey, congratulations on the win. And he said, yeah. He said, well, at least you got to play. They got to play so much. John, John Luke played the whole game. John Mark played most of the game. These two guys, good players. Good, really, really yeah, good players. They and they played zero seconds. They should come to the Oaks. They should come yeah, to the just, Oaks. You on, actually you had that as a, as a little marketing yeah. thing. Oh, um, man. You can, but you it's can like, start at the Oaks. <laughs> I know, my goodness. But it's just like, what a sadness for them. They've invested all these time, all this practice, all that, and they didn't get to play at all. And I'm like, man, you just take yourself way too seriously. So I said to these parents, I said, that is not going to happen. I know that you come to your game, to these games, to watch your daughter play. And you're going to watch her play. And I talked more about it in a minute, but that was the, the next one. And then I said this. I said, what is the biggest factor, the biggest factor in determining whether a team will be mediocre or will achieve its highest potential? The refs. <laughs> we have some crappy refs, man. They threw that game. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Oh, you're so funny. Uh, I said the number one factor and whether a team is just going to be mediocre or achieve its highest potential is having a coach who is strategic. A coach who is strategic. And that For is sure. Having watched... Can I just say this? It is so frustrating watching kids on a team when you, you don't have strategy because you know the potential and the possibilities and you're like, oh, you're blowing it. There has to be something linked to heaven and God's divinity, his, his character, his... There has to be something divine about this because we are all desiring strategy. We want, like, look at the NFL, look at the NBA, look at all the people involved in sports on the weekends or, you know, your own child. You are just so invested in how do we get to the next level? How do we win? How do we not win? How do we, and all that energy and emotion and drama, it's like God has put this in our being. So how does that relate to heaven and saving souls well let me say it this way and parents hear this because this is really really important if strategic thinking is what is most lacking in coaches strategic thinking is also guess what the most difficult thing for me to teach executives to do now these are very successful executives these are ceos these are c-level executives chief clinical officer chief operating officer chief business officer chief strategy officer on and on and on uh the most or highly placed executives the most difficult thing to teach is strategic thinking. That is Why? so, let me think, because that really surprises me. Because I think they would, they're naturally that way because that's how they've gotten as far as they've gotten. No, and, and so. I don't know. Uh, the reason why is that to be a strategic thinker involves both the capacity to envision or to understand a vision. Now, a vision is an ideal presentation of the future state that you're striving to attain and the goals that are associated with attaining that vision, as well as simultaneously having clear insight into the current reality. This is where we're at. This is where our people are at. This is where our systems and processes are at. This is where we're at currently as with regards to our own business. So you have to have simultaneously clarity around the current reality, and clarity around the goal, the vision, and the goals associated with achieving that vision. And, at th and having both of those things, being able to sense the right path to get there. How do I get from where we're at 
to where we must go, where we ought to go, knowing what the path is, and then knowing both the strengths or assets that we have to get us there and being able to identify the biggest block blockages and obstacles that are in the way and how we can remove them. So strategic thinking involves all of that. It's both insight into current reality, insight into the vision and the goals associated with it, insight into the path that we have to take, the, the, the motivating assets that will move us, and the obstacles and difficulties that we'll face along the way and how we're going to remove them. All of that is strategic thinking. Wow. Wow. So just me saying that, good luck trying to find a typical executive who can, um, who can speak what I just said simply and quickly. So back to coaching and coaches, where do they mostly fall? Yeah. So coaches will typically do this. They'll say that what they have most clarity about is their current reality. That I know who my players are and I know what they're able to do. And they have a very simple idea. The goal is to win. To win. <laughs> right? And so what they'll do then is, is they'll say, here are my people. My goal is to win. And so what do I do? I run certain plays on offense and on defense because those are the things that my players do the best. And I I've run trained these, them and then we've practiced over and, and then over. we practice them over and over and over again. And I'm like, you know what? But you have to pivot. You have to change. You, you have don't to take into account the fact that you're playing against a particular team that has particular players with their strengths and weaknesses. And you have to be able to understand and recognize in the moment what are they doing well? What are they not doing well? What are my players doing well or not doing well today, right now? And then how do I adjust on the fly to be able to respond to what's showing up? And how many games have we been sitting next to each other? And I'm like, don't you see what's going on, coach? You need to recognize this and you need to change your strategy. And when they don't, they end up losing. And it is so frustrating. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. And uh, today in the program, Carrie and I, I'm sharing with you all and with my wife, Carrie, a bit about what I shared at this uh, parent meeting uh, that coaches have for, in this instance, junior high girls basketball. But as I share with you all what I shared with them, I'm hoping that you all will recognize that these same insights that I was sharing with these parents regarding how I'm going to coach their girls on the junior high girls basketball team are actually things that I'm teaching executives and CEOs to help them grow their businesses. And oh, by the way, this actually works in parenting and in marriage as well. And so just realize that one of the most important things that as parents you will be served by is having that sense of strategic thinking. I need to know my child. What are her gifts or his gifts and weaknesses? What are their challenges? What are their opportunities, right? And then what's the vision? How do I make sure that there's an authentic vision that they have for their lives and what it looks like to be able to get that vision become real? What are the goals they ought to, they ought to set for themselves that if they, re, if they reach that goal, they're going to get closer to that ideal that they have for their own lives? And so often people are chasing inauthentic ideals. Like, like this is what I want to be versus God, who have you made me to be? Like, so for us, the ideals of, I want my kids to become a saint who fulfills their God-given mission. Playing basketball is part of that. I want my kids to play basketball because I want them to become saints who fulfill their God-given mission. And somehow, by playing basketball, they're going to get closer to that. And I'm going to show you guys how in just a few minutes. <laughs> like, no, I'm going to. I know you I, are. I said to the parents, thinking, and then uh -huh. I'm going to say, look, this is how it's, it's going to show up by the very principles that I put forward. And, um, and, and it was really neat because at the end, they were so excited. They're like, oh, my goodness, I've never heard this before. I love this. This is awesome. I've waited to hear something like this. It was like what you just said, it was like it was something that has eluded me, and I tried to name, but you just named it. Yes, that's what I want for my daughter on a team. That's what I want for my coaches of the team that my kids are on. And that, that was very affirming to me. Yeah, so, that sounds great. I really enjoyed that. I want to hear this. All right. I'm very excited. Do I <laughs> so, seem excited? <laughs> but um, so then just to finish, my brothers and sisters, pray about insight into the current reality that you, you're facing in your marriage, in your home, in your family. Pray about the vision. Ask God for that. And then the goals that will help you get to that vision. And then begin to map out what's the path to take to get there. What do we need to do? What are the things that we have that we can use to get started? 
What will that lead to? What are the things that'll get in the way and potentially block us and how do we remove them? Okay, so that was that was the biggest factor. What's the second biggest factor? If the biggest factor is that determines strategy. whether a team will be mediocre or will achieve its highest potential is having a coach who is strategic, what's the second one? I would say what you have to work with. What you have to work with, like but the, then getting what you have to work with to play as a team. team. The second biggest factor is the ability to get the team to play as a team. And so that's synergy. One plus one equals three, right? It's it's the ability to say, I can be as, as good as I can be by myself, but somehow if I play well with you, not only are you going to get better, and not only going to help you achieve your highest potential, but that's going to actually help me get to a whole level that I can't get to without you. I think that often we just think one plus one equals two. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we realize the power of like community of persons yeah like when you have like four couples together you've not just multiplied or quintupled whatever that group but it's there's a special like the communion there's a special they say synergy i don't even know what the right word is but i've been in the presence of that and it's just so i don't want to say magical but it's so powerful it's radiant it's magnanimous it just it's like wow this is this is you can't buy this. You can't purchase this. You can't get go on Amazon and right. There's a there, I call it a density, right? There's a density to that sense of of communion and of the radiance of communion. We saw that yesterday. This is we're recording this on Monday night. Yesterday we had invited several families from the Oaks to come to mass with us, and so we we went over to St. Thomas the Apostle in Coeur d'Alene um, to to meet at the ten o'clock mass, and um, we had invited several families. Um, a couple of them are Catholic uh, at the Oaks, and a couple of them were members of families that grew up Catholic or who were being drawn to the Catholic faith. And we said, hey, why don't you come and we'll get together at Mass, and then afterwards we'll just get together at uh, a home over there in Coeur d'Alene from a family that goes to the Oaks, very devout Catholic family, who had moved here and have just flourished at the Oaks. And it's like, And they're like, yeah, let's do this. And didn't we get to experience that? That yeah. one plus one equals three? Well, I just saw how many of the teenagers or the kids just felt so encouraged and enjoyed being together. Like they didn't want it to end. I was tired. I was like, I have to go home. I'm so tired. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. <laughs> yeah, you, you brought that up. A couple of our kids were like, oh, I really had a lot of fun. And oh, I wish we didn't have to leave. Which and, is, when, and when can we do this again? Yes. Yeah. And and and. One of the parents, the, the hosts were like, we'll do this once a month. Let's go. And, and it included two faculty members from the Oaks, which is just really powerful. Oh, what, a, what a God story. This okay, is a back to your coaching. No, no, this is, the, but this is that the second biggest factor is the ability to get to the team to play as a team is that idea that says, you don't have to do this alone. Brothers and sisters, yes. you don't have to do this alone. Yes. How much better did our so kids important. engage at mass when they got to sit with their friends? They were hosting their friends. They were like, introducing their friends into this Catholic reality and then afterwards hanging around with them. Is it interesting to you that when we have one guest at our home, like a friend of one of our kids at the dinner table or at prayer, it changes everything? Why is that? Um, I mean, I think that's just really something to think about. Like, how does that, adding that one person, change everything about being together? I would say, this is my simplistic quick answer, is that home is the place where you let your guard down, where you can kick your feet up, where you can just be yourself, and that isn't always at your best. And don't you feel like that can sometimes limit you in your goal setting or your desire to achieve or mission or... Let's just call it a two-edged sword, right? On the one hand, there's a degree of intimacy, there's a degree of disclosure, there's a degree of being able to share life together that happens because you're in the family. However, there's also that sense of settling for less. You you are letting your guard down, and that means that also the parts of the flesh that are mean or harsh or belittling or... Relaxed? W- relaxed, less than kind, right? be bad, yeah. but right. it just feels like for me, I don't... But I said it was a two-edged sword, yeah. right? So there's the positive side where you can let your guard down that is a relaxing way, but there's also let your guard down and all of a sudden the, the, the baser fallen nature shows up. Yeah. So when so you introduce an outsider, it's a hedge of protection against 
I'm less likely to yell. <laughs> you know, I'll be a little stern and clear, and you come here, right? So I re- Tom, I remember when you had the ministry or the, was the ministry in our home? Remember in Federal Way? Yeah, yeah. In that back room. Next to the kitchen. And we had people in our home every day, and I felt like, oh, yeah, that was when I was a really good mom. I didn't yell. I didn't lose my cool because there were people in our home, and so it actually was a hedge of protection. Yeah. So um, I I just love that reality that you need to find your team, brothers and sisters. Yes. You need to find your team. You need to find that that group of folks, the, the adults, the, the kids, the families, that when you get together, you can have that synergy of one plus one equals three. You will be better as a family when you're together with these other families and you're walking the same path. So that that was the second biggest factor that I said. And, um, and it's neat because, um, you know, the people got it. They were like nodding their heads, like affirmatively, like, yeah, I get this. Okay, so I said, if that's true, if it's being a strategic coach and playing as a team, how will we achieve it? And I said, by raising up two things. The first was raising up a vision of Romans 12, 4 to 6. And so I said, and so I read it, just as each of us has one body with many members and not all members have the same function, so too we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the favor bestowed on each of us. That's a great scripture for sports. Isn't that? That is so good. Did you just find that like when you were making this talk? or? Yeah. I spent a ton of time in the half an hour before the meeting putting together this outline. I know outline. you do. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of exposed. So. But that's actually a beautiful scripture. Yeah. I've never thought of that in relationship to sports. Cause really? When you... No, well, when you read it, I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what yeah. it is. It's right. what gifts have you been given? Our son is so funny. We have a son who loves to dialogue and question and do like different scenarios. And he's like, if you could exchange different gifts of certain players with other players, if you on could... His, on the, his basketball yeah. team, the varsity team. If or you if had you, to build a super player and yeah, take one <laughs> attribute from each of these players to build a super... What would you pick? I mean, he went on and on about different scenarios and asking different questions, which is really... Con- it was comical and it was really um, endearing. But that scripture captures... It, it captures what he was getting at through his questions was that there are different gifts that these players have. That not, even, not everyone has the same gift. Someone's better at dribbling. Someone's better at shooting. Someone's better at rebounding, driving, defense, passing, and all those other things. Spirit, attacking. The, the, that's right. The faith, spirit yeah. or the, the, the kindness and creating that culture yeah. of, of service and, and being um, true brothers in the Lord to the ones they're competing against. All of those things are great examples of we're members of uh, the body and, and we can build each other up, right? So, well, we're up against a break, Carrie. When we come back, I'm going to continue this conversation. And again, sharing with you guys what I shared tonight, this is Monday night as I'm recording this with the parents uh, at the Oaks. Back in a minute with more Sun Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. I'm with my wife, Carrie, and just sharing some insights that I shared with the parents uh, at the Oaks in the because um, I'm coaching the girls' uh, junior high team. And um, uh, just sharing insights that actually are, are so relevant for being uh, in, in marriage and family and, and in my professional life when I am coaching executives and helping CEOs. These are the things that, that work there too. So, um, so Carrie, I ended up coming up with this little phrase. I said, uh, on our team, for our team, the MVP will be the, uh, the player, most valuable player, will be the player who is the MVT, teammate. So for our team, the MVP will be the player who is the MVT. And I said, I'm going to copyright that. Are you? Okay. I like that. What does that mean? For our team, the most valuable player will be the player who's the most valuable teammate. In other words, uh, I used the example. I said, um, often the most valuable player is the one who scores the most points. I said, for us, the most valuable Team, the most valuable player will be the one who elevates the play of his teammates or her teammates. So I said, the goal that I have is to have uh, my players make their teammates better. And so I talked about the intentional way that I have spoken to my kids all along about what I'm looking for from you, what I'll celebrate and affirm and promote is you making your teammates better. So I'll promote a great assist more than a great goal. I'll, 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 I'll celebrate a great pass more than a great shot. And so 
The reason is, is that that's great that you can score. But if everyone's just sitting around and watching you score, that's not going to be the best help that you can be for the team. You, your teammates can become passive. They won't be engaged, etc. Instead of, if you can make your teammates engaged and, 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 and be and enjoying the game. And there was a, one of the guys that was there has a daughter on the team. Um, he has a son that played with John Luke last year. And he and his wife came up to me after the last game. They said, I just want to thank you. They said, our son has so enjoyed this season because of your son. He loves playing with your boy because your boy includes him, gets him the ball, is encouraging him to shoot. When he could have just scored himself, he passed it to him so that he could get involved. And I'm like, yeah, most valuable teammate. You know, you see that, Tom, when they bring in the special needs kid or the kids with Down syndrome on some of these, you know, videos that go viral and the whole school erupts when this kid who has never played or has just sat on the bench or has been the water boy because of the level of disability or whatnot um, is able to shine. And I mean, that's just the grandeur or the grandiose. Right, that's an extraordinary yeah. version of this same thing. But this is the same thing. It's, you know, you go home in, in the car at, at the end of the game and your son or daughter is like, well, I didn't really have a good game. Hold on. You're stealing one of my lines. Okay. I'm coming to that. Right. I'm, just, I'm coming to that. Sure, 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 so sure. Get uh, to so, it, Tom. You only have three uh, minutes. I'm running out of time. Okay. <laughs> How will I achieve the goal of strategic coaching and playing as a team? So the first one was raising up this vision that – your goal is to make your teammates better, right? And the second was by raising up assistant coaches. And so this, I have, we have three ninth grade girls that played varsity that know many of these girls, five of them that are junior high girls that played with them. And I said that these three young ladies are going to be there to do several things. They're going to be role models, which is wonderful because I said one of the gifts that the Oaks has is that it allows this ability to interact between younger grades and older grades. I said one of the beautiful gifts is that my younger girls get to interact with high school girls. And in normal schools, you don't have that. There's such intimidation, such distance, such a sense of a barrier to have authentic, life-giving, fresh, real conversation and connection and relationships between junior high kids and high schoolers. And that is broken down on this team. Yes. So the second is individual attention. If I can have three assistants, kids who have never played before, they're not going to just feel like they're on the sidelines and they don't have anybody to help them. And, and I'm trying to run a play and they don't know how to play. So no, I said, I'm going to have kids be able to say, you focus on this, these two over there, these over here, these over here. And everyone's going to get a chance to get that individual skill development. And the third was team improvement. I said that, okay, we've got some girls that are pretty good. I have these girls here, these three high school girls, there to press. So I said the hardest game that my team will ever face will be the game they play in practice at every practice. Because in every practice, at the end of every practice, these three girls, and now I've got a fourth high school player, are going to play against our team. Nicely. Oh, you know, they're yeah, they're going to make them work. They're going to make them work. I mean, and they're so, not going to like smash them. <laughs> no, no, no. no. They're just but, gonna... the, but you get the whole point is, is that if these girls can learn to hold their own against high school varsity players, then they're going to be so well equipped to play against any junior, oh, any junior sure. high team. And then the last was for those three girls that are assistant coaches, I'm going to give them a chance to coach. And so I'm going to teach them. You are? Yeah. Like at the games? They're actually going to coach a game, uh, even one each. That's like, so cool. Or a quarter? No, or a quarter or whatever. It's like whenever they're ready, I'm going to say, do you want to coach this quarter? you want to coach this half? Okay, you, you do it. I'm going to sit down at the end of the bench. And you're going to be coaching them to be coaches. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be coaching them along the way how to coach. So talk about development. I'm going to be developing their whole approach, their whole way of seeing the game of basketball. They'll be able to notice more, understand more. It's going to equip them for life. Yeah. So I, just think of how invested that will make them. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful, it can be a beautiful gift to them. So it's not just thank you for helping me. No, they're going to develop. And so they'll get a chance to develop as players as well. Okay. So then I got into one of the big questions. What's my approach for balancing the goals of winning and of playing time or winning? Because you all know we're here to win and playing time and this is supposed to be fun and this isn't supposed to be so serious. And 
That's I've never heard a good answer. I always hear people say you got to earn your way on the floor, you got to earn your playing time, and everyone has a part to play, even if your part is to cheer everybody else on from the bench. And I just and then I hear these promises from coaches that say, "Don't worry, everyone's going to get playing time." And then it just doesn't happen. And there's so many grumbling parents I've seen that just get so frustrated because they're there to watch their kid play, and their kid just gets to sit on the end of the bench. So I said to them. Honestly, my goal is not, first of all, winning each game, but of giving each player a winning experience in each game. And then I put in parentheses, you'll have an enjoyable car ride home. Oh, that's what I was mentioning. Yeah. How many times have you driven home in the car and you're silent because you're burning because your kid who's been going to every practice didn't even get into the game? And that's just so frustrating. Well, that's not... I mean, you're doing junior high. Varsity has a different mentality. Just uh, to be I, fair. I would play, I would do this in my, because I said the next one, if I do my job well, these will not often come in conflict. Okay. They won't often come in conflict. If I can be that strategic, using the best gifts and getting them to play as a team, then the idea that we can't get everybody into the game is, is a myth. You can get everybody into the game. You just can and then the second one was not equal minutes, but meaningful minutes. Ooh, tweet not, that. Well, let's do that. <laughs> tweet that. Do you have a Twitter account? Yeah. <laughs> I said, your daughter will be on the court when it matters. Because one of the defaults is that these, this, a coach will t- put out the starters, crush the team, and then when they're up by 35 points and it just doesn't matter anymore, okay, and there's three minutes left in the game, now I'll let in these other subs. And I'm like, that's such dry comfort. You know, it's comfort, <laughs> you know, it's really right. It, you know, like you got to play. So I said, just I comfort. looked him in the eyes and I said, your daughter's going to be on the court when it matters. Your daughter's going to be on the court when there's something at stake, when the game isn't just safely put away. I want your daughter to learn how to play when it really matters. And so they have to be really willing to step into the game and play the part. You should write a book. <laughs> you could do coach Kern camp, current camp, coach Kern. And camp. so, um, Anyway, so you can see why like the, the, the parents were like, wow, yeah, I really like this. this is yeah, kinda, I like this, this too. Can fresh. our daughter play on this team? <laughs> oh, wait, she is playing Okay, we're not team. done yet. Oh, okay. So I said that um, your daughter will be invited to let her gifting be developed and the gift she is to shine. Your daughter will be invited to let her uh, gifting be developed and the gift she is to shine. And what does that mean? I said, well, I'm going to ask her the question, what position does she want to play? So I pointed out there's a girl that um, is plays center. She's a big girl. And she's a natural center. And I said, if she came to me and said, I want to be the point guard, I would let her get a chance to play point guard. And um, uh, the parents that have... Although some of these players don't even know what a point guard is. Right, uh, yeah, exactly. But, and, and so I said to a <laughs> couple, learn. one of the parents said, well, what about my daughter? Like, how, how does she grow? And I said, well, I, my daughter's a point guard. I said, I'm going to put her down at like the three or the four, like a lower position. And I'm going to let your daughter play point guard because I want her to develop. And if she, she can't, she's just always will stay hidden behind our daughter and, and won't get a chance to develop unless I slide her out of the way and let this girl develop. So, and then the second thing was, I said, I'm going to give every girl a chance to be in the starting lineup. I want them all to be able to have that. I, and I even, I was pressing the director about announcing the starters because just to have your name announced is letting, letting the gift that you are be called out. And just to be able to run out onto the floor is really cool. Um, so so that, that was another thing was that um, I said to them, part of my goal here is to prepare them for the varsity team. Um, because um, the varsity is losing five players next year. And so these girls... I want them to be as equipped as they can be to be able to play a meaningful role in the team next year. That's awesome. And then the last thing was the goal at the end of the season is that I want your daughter to say, I want to keep on playing basketball. The season's over and it's not like, oh, I'm all done or I'll play next year, but I want to keep on playing. So that's my ultimate goal for them. So, well, there you go, Carrie. Actually, we're up against the end of the program. I can't believe it. Thanks for being with me, dear. Sure. All right. God bless you guys. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight.